Hello Valparaiso, this is Allison Schutte, Willow Walsh, and Reagan Skaggs, and you're listening to Welcome Project Radio. Welcome Project collects first-person stories and pairs them with facilitated conversation to help participants forge stronger ties within and across communities. We vision a world in which people are curious about and actively seek to engage those who are different from themselves. We are proudly underwritten by Asana Yoga Center and Roots Market Cafe, two excellent ways to feel good during a pandemic. They're located online at asanacenter.com and rootsmarketcafe.com. And Roots is open for full in-person business at 108 East Lincoln Way in Valparaiso. And a huge thanks to Kelly and Michael Marachna, who believe in supporting diversity, learning, and growth. They are brand new underwriters to the show. Theme music is provided by WVLP's very own Paul Schreiner. Thanks, Paul. Today, we bring you two stories from the Welcome Project's archive titled, Why Do You Look Like Such a Little Boy? and Threatened by My Expression. So today on the show, we'll play the stories and pause in between each to have a conversation about what the storytellers experience, and that's typically how we do things. But Allison, why did you choose these stories today? Yeah, so Transgender Awareness Week just wrapped up, and so um, we're a little bit behind the curve, but there's never any reason not to be aware of transgender rights and um, resilience. So we thought that these two stories would help us reflect on that topic. Heck yeah. So the first story then today is titled, Why Do You Look Like Such a Little Boy? I'm relatively out in my identity as as queer on this campus. Um, And whether or not I'm out, um, there are assumptions made because of my hair length, because of the way I dress, um, in clothing that might be identified as male or maybe people can't tell. A lot of students come from backgrounds that tell them um, very you know, a very binary understanding of gender, male and female. And when they feel that's challenged, um, they react negatively. I was attending a dance um, that SALT had put on one time, and SALT is a social action leadership team. Um, I'd say for Valpo, it's a very, if we have to give a term, liberal, like, organization. And um, a guy I, I know rather well, after the dance we went to celebrate, Um, someone's birthday, and I was wearing suspenders, a tie, um, slacks, um, just to have fun at the dance. Um, And he came up to me, and he was just like, little boy, little boy, like, why do you look like such a little boy? Like, like, what is this? Like, and I was like, it was, it was really hurtful because I know him, and we interact on a friendly basis, but for him just to come up to me and just be like, hey, little boy, like, wh- why are you dressing like a little boy, huh? Like, little boy, like, and I was, I was like, what are you getting at? I, I couldn't, you know, even, like, understand why I threatened him so much when I was wearing, like, obviously not, you know, what would be defined as female clothing in our, in our culture, yet then he can interact with me on such a friendly level. Um, when I might just be wearing, I don't know, a t-shirt or whatever. Um, and this, it was, it was obvious that he was like really uncomfortable with the way <laughs> I was dressed. Um, and that's, that's shocking, but I think that, that happens a lot where students are okay with the idea of, of difference in gender and difference in sexuality. Um, and they'll say, you know, well, it's fine. I just don't want to hear about it. A lot of students tell me that they're like, I, I don't, I don't care about homosexuals as long as I don't have to hear about it. I don't care about, you know, it. It doesn't bother me. But um, when students interact with it on a on a personal level, I, I think they find their their assumptions about gender and and what it means challenged, and that's frightening for them. This is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio at WVLP 103.1 FM in Valparaiso, community-supported radio, and also streaming online. So if you aren't local enough to catch us on the bandwidth, you can always find us over the interwebs. Um, And uh, we're here today. I'm Allison Schutte. I'm with Willow Walsh and Reagan Skaggs. We're all co-hosts for the show, and um, we are looking backwards at Transgender Awareness Week, which has just come to a close, and bringing out some stories from the Welcome Project archives to help us think about gender. 
thoughts, places to start. <laughs> the first thing that I think of is Willow and I had a conversation a couple weeks ago about like the gay checklist. Mm-hmm. And on that checklist, we talked about specifically like looking alternative, um, which is still valid. But I'm just thinking of like this person and like the gay checklist and like my reaction to this person as someone who is like, quote unquote, not typical and like how I would feel more comforted by yeah, that right. versus this like very opposite response. Like, this is a dance or a party where I belong because there are other people who are presenting Mm -hmm. outside of the norms. Mm -hmm. Who are non, like, I mean, I'm relatively gender-conforming. I shaved three-fourths of my head, dear listeners, but I'm still pretty, (laughs) like, (laughs) gender-conforming. And, you know, there's, like, that. But just, like, yes, like, if I see somebody who, like, maybe looks you know, a certain way and in, is in clothes that are in the opposite way. If I see someone who looks, appears to be more masculine and they're wearing, like, more feminine clothing or, like, the opposite direction or somewhere in between that, like, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. There are people at this party who are, who they're welcoming people at this yeah. party because these people at this party feel comfortable being here, so I should feel comfortable being yeah. here. Yeah. So it's really disheartening that, like, you know, my, my little my little gay flag in this metaphorical situation is having, you know, a not great experience at the same party, the same metaphorical party. Um, it might be interesting at some point, I don't want to go here right away, um, to note that this was posted to our website in 2013. Mm-hmm. So that's already eight, eight years ago. And I think the re- interview probably happened the year before. So we're talking eight or nine years old. And so I'm curious to know, like, I wonder if this experience is starting to change and shift a little bit too, but, um, but let's not, let's not go there yet. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about like what this storyteller found like the most, I don't know, like disheartening about the actual experience either at the dance, I guess it's mostly at the party after the dance. Um, I don't think they talk too much about the party itself. It seems to be the... I don't think they talk too much about the dance itself. It seems to be mostly what happens at the birthday after. Mm. I mean, it sounds like this is hurtful because this is somebody that, if not a friend, this person thought of as like a friendly person. And they feel comfortable kind of coming like at them in a particular way uh, that doesn't feel like respectful or curious it just feels like why would you do that and that's hurtful you know that sucks it's not a good time mm-hmm. do you think it would no i'm already moving away from the storytelling experience but like would it be less hurtful if it came from like a kind of stranger like somebody this person didn't know very well I think so. I mean, I think, I, I guess we don't know from the storyteller, but I think there's a sense that you're already kind of guarded against people that mm. you don't know their reaction. So it's like, I don't know, like, I always assume the worst from people. So it's like, when they like come at you and just kind of say things to you that suck. I mean, I think it hurts less maybe when it's a stranger, but when it's a friend, you kind of have your guard down a little bit more and you're expecting a sense of safety. And so when you don't get that, I think it's even more jarring the experience in the end. It's easy to dismiss a stranger uh, when they're, they're critiquing something about you because one, that person absolutely does not know you. And two, oftentimes it is a very surface level thing, such as why are you dressed the way that you're dressed? Why did you color your hair? Why did you choose to present yourself in a certain way and it's really easy to be like okay well this person is just a stranger they don't know me they don't know anything about me and they have a preconceived condition or idea of what I will be like because I look a certain way and that's their problem that's not my problem but it's harder when it's someone that you know and that you're supposed to be friends with or friendly with and they they have the same reaction because they do know you or they're supposed to you know I mean, the storyteller does say he can interact with me on such a friendly level when I might just be wearing a t-shirt or whatever. I don't know. I think it adds a layer of, like, pain, too, because they also mention, like, SALT, the social action Mm -hmm. leadership team, which they're describing as a sort of, quote-unquote, liberal organization. And so I think they're assuming that because this organization that's creating this space, it's going to be really, I don't know, responsive to how they express themselves. And so the fact that... You have that space, which you're already anticipating being, like, welcoming to you, and then somebody you know, I just think it kind of, like, builds up the pain there. Yeah. I don't know, I just (laughs) don't like that, like, this guy's, like, harassing them about, like, I don't know, how they're dressing, and I think it's, 
it's weird because like I don't know it's like I harass Reagan all the time <laughs> she harasses me and there's like a healthy way to harass people you yeah. know yeah no that's not well you know when somebody's teasing right because there's yeah. other yeah. elements whether that's the tone of voice or it's the posture or something yeah well and it's that comedy conversation that comes up every time another comic on Twitter decides to do a terrible thing um but it's like the punching up punching down punching to the side like Willow and I are punching to the side mm. and we know we're punching to the side and we know each other's limits like there are some things I would never make fun of Willow for even just completely joking because I know that would hurt her feelings and I assume it's the same way I would never actually want to hurt Willow do I love to tease her and treat her like she is the sister I never had too much yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> is it my favorite thing to do yes <laughs> but would I ever intentionally want to hurt this person who I care about very much absolutely not yeah um and so it's the same thing where it's like well you know you can make fun of your friends you can tease your friends but there's there's always going to be a line and you have to acknowledge that and I think that maybe this is kind of what this this guy in this person's life is doing like trying to kind of make a joke out of it in a way to phrase his question and attempt to kind of like soften that as opposed to coming to this person and being really honest about like hey I'm confused and if you don't mind can you just explain this to me like and that that might have been a, a fumbling on their part that might have meant to hurt this person you'll never know I will never know but that could be part of the problem here yeah I think it's interesting because the storyteller when they reproduce what this friendly person said it sounds like mocking mm-hmm. like the the tone of voice that the storyteller uses and i i think that's i'm assuming here that's the storyteller's hurt mm-hmm. coming out because later they say that it was obvious he was really uncomfortable and that's not what i hear in the way the storyteller mm-hmm. reproduces the dialogue mm-hmm. so it is a little bit hard to tell like how it was delivered, um, I'm not saying that by any means to minimize the problem of the delivery, Mm -hmm. but it's a little hard to know, um, how much is discomfort, how much is joking, how much is intentionally, like, wanting to Mm -hmm. put someone in their place, Mm -hmm. which I think for people that haven't thought through, like, bias and discrimination, there is some unconscious element of like wanting to reestablish norms Mm -hmm. even if you think you're joking like what you're really doing is Mm -hmm. reestablishing the norm Mm -hmm. and um yeah I'm just super curious how the storyteller knew that he was really uncomfortable as opposed to um teasing Mm -hmm. or maybe they're not separable Mm -hmm. like in ways that you know you all were talking about with you can tell when comedy is actually built on a relationship versus mm-hmm. meant to sort of reorient mm-hmm. people to like proper um decorum yeah well and something that the speaker doesn't mention at least when i went to valpo salt was advertised this way is salt is still a spiritual organization yeah, yeah. um and I assume it was also in 2013 I don't know yeah why it was always attached way. to the chapel yeah like heavily attached to the chapel um And I think that also when you bring at least Christianity to it, I know not all religions do this, but this is my American Midwestern experience of Christianity, is that their gender norms within a biblical context, within the biblical context that exists now, are pretty strict. Um, Not a ton, like, and especially like growing up and then coming into liberal church spaces, they are not nearly as strict as the church spaces that I grew up in. Um... But they definitely exist. Um, and I think that that can be like a very big source of discomfort when you're like learning what your like quote unquote role is through a spiritual context. And then you have someone like who is a part of your organization who is supposedly like maybe also Christian or just interested in being there, who is not adhering to the things that you know or feel are spiritually correct. Like that, that can be another source of discomfort, which again does not justify this response or this discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, at all but it could be an explanation for some discomfort i i don't know i feel like i want to pull on allison's like viewing things from two sides because i feel like that is so creative non-fictiony of you to point (laughs) out like that like the storyteller's experience of the conversation could be vastly different from the person who's like actually saying these things because like i don't want to be this person but 
if I'm going to be, like, a little bit generous towards the person who's, like, mocking the storyteller, I, like, there's something about, like, when the storyteller keeps, like, reiterating, like, little boy, little boy, like, they're trying to, like, trying to maybe remember all of the phrases that were used with them, but they keep coming back to this, like, little boy thing, and it makes me wonder, like, if, like, obviously the person who's, like, calling them out is not being very generous like he's not I don't know so it's just like I, I don't feel like it's coming from a nice place but I also I feel like there's possibility to where he is just sort of like maybe mocking them in a way that's like overly like bro-ish and like not necessarily like hey I want to like specifically call out this like gender thing you're doing and I think maybe that's where they come out with like that he may be feeling uncomfortable because he doesn't know how to interact with them once they put on the suit and so it's just like so I don't know so part of me wonders if this dude is just like has never encountered somebody who's like dressing outside of their expectations before and he's just like taking it in an awful way and mocking them but also I think it just might be like a I don't know like they really don't understand like how to do this and so it's coming off of this like weird mocking way I don't know yeah it is interesting um but you are listening to Listen Up Welcome Project Radio, WVLP 103.1 FM, and streaming from WVLP.org. Um, the storyteller, and some of this is the editor of the interview, so I'm not sure, but like around the actual anecdote is um, a reflection that a lot of students come from backgrounds that tell them to have a very binary understanding of gender. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, they say, um, I think it happens a lot where students are okay with the idea of difference in gender and difference in sexuality, but they don't want to actually have to then see it or be exposed to it. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little hard to know because the storyteller does say, a guy I know rather well. So I think it's hard for us to feel out, like, how close is this relationship, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But I wonder if, Reagan, back to your point, like, or actually, Willow, sorry, if if this person is someone who has intellectually assented in some way to, oh, yeah, like, um, there should be a there should be gender diversity or, or sexuality, like sexuality of all kinds is, um, makes sense to me. But then like to actually be in the first instance of encountering that, like Mm -hmm. there's that disconnect between what your intellect has gone, like worked itself through and then any sort of reality, which like our ideas might change a lot faster than our actual judgments. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because of how conditioned we are by our society. We don't necessarily think about that or realize how conditioned we are. And that's gender, that's sexuality, that's race, that's class, that's ability, disability. I mean, it runs the whole gamut. So um, again, I, I think it's probably useful to some extent to try to understand the experience that the one mocking is, is coming out of Um, but I don't think that we need to, by any means, still excuse the behavior, right? So, absolutely. Um, it would be interesting to know, like, how one might, who was at the party watching this happen, intervene, pull aside, talk to him about what happened, and find out, Mm -hmm. like, what the heck is going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like that makes a lot of sense to me because I feel like, I don't know, like maybe as like a queer person, as a woman, I feel like there are certain like phrases that like, I don't know, men and straight people can use with me that just like... It's a no. Real, it's a no. <laughs> it's a it's no. Just, it like irks me. I don't know. I'm like trying to think of one. Like, females. Yeah, the word female. Um, But I don't know, they're just like, it's kind of like red flag language, but it's like, part of me feels like I'm so immersed in like queer people on the internet and like the sort of like dialogue that surrounds it, that it's like, I don't know, it's like I know I'm better at having all of this like phrases phrasing mm-hmm. in my in my vocabulary so I know how to navigate these conversations. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's something there about like, 
like these phrases that people could just be trying to interact with me with, Mm -hmm. but that like, I don't know, they irk me. So they cause me pain when I have to hear them, but it's like, maybe the person saying them, you know, isn't that well immersed in that sort of dialogue and like, doesn't know how to do that. So it kind of like sucks from both sides. Cause Mm -hmm. it's like, like, I want to be seen as like a full person, but this person, I don't know. I should also be interacting with people outside of my identity. Like, straight people and men (laughs) I guess I don't know but like you know it's just like but so it's hard because it's like those conversations that maybe innocently or not so innocently on their end could just they're just learning how to interact with me and say the right things and so either way it could cause hurt and maybe they don't want to cause hurt but it Mm. just so it sucks like those kind of conversations like I don't necessarily know how to like repair that I don't think the person in this story does a good job of showing us what that is supposed to look like (laughs) but I think at the same time it's like I don't know, like, how do we have these conversations with people? And I think about that on this show, too. Like, how do we have these sort of conversations with people that aren't as sort of, like, immersed in that experience Mm -hmm. as much? And I don't know. Like, when I talk about things that I don't know about, I feel terrible, and I don't want... I feel sensitive. I don't want to feel called out. I don't want to feel like I've messed up. And so I can only imagine, like, what that feeling is. But it's just, like, this sort of divide that we've created of, like... I don't know. I just feel like I... I understand the storyteller's hurt in this experience, and I don't know if that person meant to hurt, but it's just like, there's that bridge of experience that's so hard to sort of get over. I don't know. No, and I think that you're talking about, like, the sensitivity of, like, being new to a thing and trying to do it well. I think everybody experiences that, including myself. Like, (laughs) to get personal, I've been going on dates, and the people that I've been going on dates with don't always fit the same demographics I do. I've, like, gone on dates with trans people and people of color and all this other fun stuff. I've had a great time, great experiences, et cetera, et cetera. But I know that if I'm going on a date with somebody who's not on the same, like, similar demographic to me, I'm going to go through that first half of the date of them, like, poking to make sure that I'm not a jerk. To make sure that I'm not, like, either fetishizing them or um, being very transphobic or racist or whatever. And that's part of that process. And it's been the same thing when I've, like, made friends with people who are outside of my demographic is there is that poking process. And it absolutely sucks. Um, I don't regret the process. Like, I think it's, I get it. I do the same thing to people who I think might be rude because I'm gay or because I'm a woman or whatever. Um, but it's definitely part of the process. And so it requires a little bit of like cognizance on both people's parts. Like I know I'm poking you and I know that I'm judging you based on your reactions to how I am poking you. And also I know I'm being poked. I know that I'm, I'm going through a thing to make sure that I am not going to harm this person in a very obvious and unintentional or intentional way to them. Understandable. Definitely sucks. Definitely sucks. <laughs> but once you get through it, ideally, you're more or less on the same page. But yes, the process, the process. And maybe this is some unsuccessful poking on the part of a person who doesn't necessarily need to poke. Yeah, I, I think that we might be getting too generous with him at this point. <laughs> Just because of at least the way the storyteller experienced it. It's It doesn't seem like a... I'm trying out language I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Yeah. I've sure. never had any gay person ever be like, yeah, no, I like being called a little boy. I've never encountered that. So. I mean, you don't even have to be gay to not want to be called that, right? Yeah. Well, like, no. And also even in, like, racialized terms, like, boy yeah. is often used as to, to denigrate, yeah. right? So it's there's something definitely about, yes. like, trying to build oneself up by diminishing the other person and mm-hmm. why would that mm-hmm. need to happen at this party well, <laughs> also, just... let's assume that this person is like trans like is a trans man like you're gonna diminish like you're going to like disregard this person's masculinity hmm. like even if they're not a trans man you can be a butch woman and like your masculinity is also very important like etc cetera, etc cetera. but like if this is clearly how this person is comfortable dressing and presenting and is clearly comfortable like why would you try to like demean that for them mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I like what you said about poking because I feel like that is a highly relatable process mm-hmm. living in I don't know Indiana like mm-hmm. there's a TikTok that I've been watching about um 
this guy, he always does like the sort of, I guess, like poking. I think that's such a good word for it. But he always does it like to like try to feel the people out that mm-hmm. are around you. Like, you know, like just slide some things in during conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, I wish I could afford that thing, but I don't have a living wage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, to see how people respond to that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Got it. But I, I, yeah, so it's like finding your people. And I, so I don't think that this guy at all is doing that whatsoever because I can mm. think of a million different ways that he could have approached the storyteller a lot better. Like, mm-hmm. nice suit, two words. That's so much better than like uh-huh. anything else. So, yeah. So I, I don't think like he did the it. Suspenders. So, yeah, didn't do it successfully. I think there's, yeah. I mean, this storyteller also starts out by saying, I'm relatively out in my identity as queer. And so I think we touched on this earlier in our discussion that they go to the dance and the birthday party afterwards under this assumption that this is going to be a place where people have already, well, sorry, let me restate that, where people know them as out and queer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, it really does seem like there's a disconnect between expectations of acceptance Maybe not safety, but at least acceptance, and then this actual experience. Well, also, I think that it's important, I think we've kind of talked about this before, where it's been like, well, just because you are out or visibly gay or whatever, doesn't mean that you want to answer everybody's questions about everything. Like, doesn't mean that you want to be, like, an educator, Especially not at a party. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's t- like there's absolutely spaces. And especially, like, in a, a college setting, if you go to a college that allows you to have, like, a GSA or an alliance or whatever your organization is called, there's a space for your questions. Um, they will... Those are the kinds of places or uh, organizations will put on events, like, all this other fun stuff, specifically for straight people <laughs> to insist people to ask questions. Um, but, yeah, just because, like... You look a certain way doesn't mean that you want to be, like, everybody's, like, experiment or everybody's, like, teacher, all this other fun stuff. So I think it's also the assumption that, you know, like what Willow was talking about, like, the assumption that you can be seen as a whole person, maybe that was, unfortunately, an over-assumption in this particular case. Yeah. This is WVLPLP at 103.1 FM in Valparaiso, community-supported radio, also streaming live from WVLP.org. We rely on donations from individuals, businesses, and other organizations in order to continue to spread the word that ongoing volunteer-driven local media leads to a better community. So please consider supporting this station by visiting our website, wvlp.org backslash support. Donations are tax deductible and we sure would appreciate it. Your financial support keeps us on the air. And we are Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio. I'm Allison Schutte and I'm here with Willa Walsh and Reagan Skaggs. We are all three co-hosts for the show. And today on Listen Up, we've been um, discussing stories that relate to gender identity in honor of Transgender Awareness Week, which has just come to an official close, but there's no reason not to continue to support and celebrate our transgender community. So um, maybe are we ready for the second story then? Mm -hmm. We can circle back if we need to. Yeah, so this one is titled Threatened by My Expression. I've got super short hair. I love sporting the ties and man jeans. Not particularly because I feel super masculine. I think they're cool, and I don't think that by me being a female, I shouldn't be able to wear them. But other people have different uh, differing views. I've found people almost being threatened by uh, my expression. When I would go and I'd take a walk or something, um, particularly outside of Alumni Hall, I would have people scream f- at me all of the time and, and things like that. And I'm not one of those people that really gets hurt by that, but it really, really bothered me because I know of many people that it does really affect. But it just pushes me to push harder and to try to change things as much as I can. I guess the way I want to see Velpo in the future is just embracing 
and acknowledging the fact that we all have differences, but also everyone to come together to celebrate the differences. I think it would be really great for people to stop being so politically correct and say what they feel. Um, I know I have a problem with doing that, um, but I think in order for barriers to be broken, people need to start being more frank and honest so that we can get through the stereotypes and um, all of these other things to sort of reach a common ground. And I would like to see people coming out and pushing their boundaries because that's another thing that scares me that people are just so comfortable with the people that they um, associate with, myself in particular, um, where we feel that we don't need to learn more about diversity or more about other people. And I think that's crippling to not only the university, but someone's personal growth. And you're listening to Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio at 103.1 FM and streaming live at wvlp.org. Um, and this is Allison with Willow and Reagan. And today on Listen Up, we've been listening to stories from the Welcome Project archive related to gender and gender identity in honor of Transgender Awareness Week, which was um, November 13th through the 19th. All right, where do we dig in with this one? We see some overlap, but we also mm -hmm. have some new ideas to reflect on. Do you want to start with fashion? Mm-hmm. Well, they tell us all sorts of things that they're wearing. Ties, man jeans, um, short hair. And I mean, I think, I don't know about you, Reagan, but this sounds like part of the gay checklist. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what do you all, what do you mean when you're talking about the checklist part? Just, I mean, I know you gave an example yeah, in the yeah. first half hour, but like, that's that's the thing. Is like it's not even actually a checklist. Yeah. It's like is somebody. Cause it's hard to say because even like like femme lesbians, I feel like I can tell a femme lesbian from just versus like a, like a feminine street woman. Yeah, and it is just there's just some things about like presentation. Like it's about like makeup and how makeup is worn. It's about like what kinds of clothes you're wearing and like how you're wearing them. Like and usually yeah, there's like a little bit of like alternativeness to it. There's not like a full conformity to like a typical like not that all straight women do that, but like there's just something, there's just some things mm -hmm. about like how people choose to present themselves and what clothes they choose to wear and how they wear their hair that like, even if you are like a woman dressing typically feminine, I feel like a lot of the time I can clock a femme lesbian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and we're not using the word clock as in punch. In no, 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 sorry. <laughs> I mean, clock as in like, oh yeah, I found you. <laughs> and so the checklist is basically for appearance. It's externals. Yeah. I Mostly. Mean, I think this would be like, if I were to give examples of this, this would be like colored hair, short hair, beanie, nose ring, tattoos, um, Subaru. Um. <laughs> but Erica. <laughs> yeah, I know. Gay. But like, I can well, tell that Erica's gay. Yeah. She has had colored hair in the past. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, it's, but at the same time, like we've talked about this too, like not every person who like looks quote unquote alternative is gay. And not, yeah, yeah. yeah, and like the the same, tattoos, yeah, exactly, the same scenes. way, the other way around. Like there is just like something, and I I wish I could put my finger on it a little bit better because I know it's annoying. Um, but there's just it's just a slight alteration in like the typical way that a thing is done. Like I don't know, sometimes just the way that like somebody cuts their bangs, you're like, oh, you're probably gay. <laughs> like you know, like you're probably bisexual, or you're like interested in, or you're involved enough in the culture that you've been exposed to this look, and you're like, yeah, that looks good. Lesbian manicure. But, okay, but that was really obvious. <laughs> That's like a very a very intentional flag. <laughs> But it's just all of these things combined. And it, it, it also might just be like, I pay attention more to women for obvious reasons <laughs> than I do to men. But a lot of like, gay women, like, I don't know. Like, look at how you guys are. Just look at yourself. Or at the listeners at home. They can just point it at me. I... I have a sweater on and a scarf. <laughs> but you're not wearing it in the, like, this particular way. You're not doing Christian girl autumn. You're 
You have like okay, a you better explain that for our listeners. Gener- Generation X is not gonna get autumn um, as a reference. So like you have pants on, they fit, they're lovely, you look lovely, but they're not like completely in style as of now. They're not completely tapered, or they're not that like they're not either a legging or those weird, like, semi-slack pants that are in right now. Mm-hmm. You're, the sweater you're wearing is wonderful and cute. You clearly have something under it. It's not, like, an overly fashionable baggy sweater, but it is clearly a comfortable sweater. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, there's just all these cues. Like, like, reading Atlas and so hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, no. Okay, but, but, like, Christian Girl Autumn, that's, like, long balayage hair I think about. I think yeah. about, like... I don't know, like knee-high socks and UGG boots and yeah, a, like a sweater that is baggy, but like in a way that still complements how like thin you are. Yeah, it's like mm. to accentuate yeah. thinness. I don't know how else to explain it. Mm-hmm. And then yes, like maybe also a scarf or something along those lines. Yeah. But then it's like it's paired also with like very typical like uh, like what I call like Christian girl makeup, which is like you maybe you don't you have like maybe a heavier like face. And that, like, foundation and um, coverage... I, I'm a lesbian. I don't know the words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a femme lesbian. But, like... Uh, and, but then, like, very minimal, like, uh, fun... Like, what I would call fun makeup. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, the, the more extravagant eyeliner or, like, uh, eye makeup looks. So, like, it's going to be a more simple... Like, more to do in the actual, like, covering flaws mm. versus having fun makeup. I see. Mm-hmm. Like, so... Play, like playing maybe in the way that like this speaker is talking about yeah I guess that's really what it comes down to yeah. is like a lot of like queerness is that I read in others in their appearance is like playfulness yeah I guess is really what it comes down to well I wonder if too this thing that both storytellers have talked about with people being threatened mm-hmm. by them going outside of gender norms is like kind of the reverse of what you all are talking about from being in the queer community and then like knowing who's in mm-hmm. the family. So there's something that straight people can also read about that mm-hmm. apparently but inte- instead of being like okay these are my people now it's like oh those are my enemies and yeah. some sort well, of even if they don't read them as queer like reading them as like oh you just don't know how to like woman correctly mm. like that was something well, at least one of this person's experiences is being called the f word yeah mm-hmm. no absolutely. so that's like intentionally trying mm-hmm. to again like reinstate the norm and the status quo mm-hmm. through diminishing um this person, this storyteller, is not talking about um, friends yeah, no, <laughs> at all. Not. So we're getting a little bit of a fuller picture of how it impacts people um, to have these same... I don't even know if all of these are microaggressions or not. I think um, that that one is definitely just an aggression. Yeah. I don't think that can be called micro. I don't think you can scream the F word at somebody and... yeah. I didn't mean to. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't my intention. (laughs) And maybe just for people, if you haven't heard the term microaggression, it's typically used to um, capture, like, these small, like, um, daily um, ways of calling someone's attention to the fact that they're not fitting a norm. Um, And, like, it doesn't it's usually this like oh, I didn't intend for that like so you often hear people after a microaggression but like I, I didn't mean it I didn't mean it that way mm-hmm. so the difference between intent and impact is often pretty far afield um depending on who you talk to some people are like not so happy with that term micro at all because aggressions are aggressions or like cumulatively these microaggressions have a macro impact so mm-hmm. There's some discussion in the diversity, equity, and inclusion world about its appropriateness, but I think it is worth distinguishing between somebody um, at a party saying, why do you look like such a little boy, and then somebody slamming the F word at you as you walk down the street. Mm -hmm. Um, Both are painful. They're painful for different reasons, so we need to have a way to talk about and distinguish them. Mm -hmm. Well, um, one of them feels a little more dangerous than the other. 
the the, the all out yeah. kind of Be, like if you a strangers feel comfortable yelling yeah. that at you while you're yeah. walking down the street like I would feel more much more in danger yeah than I true. would be if one of my friends just came up to me like why do you look yeah that way yeah which would still be rude and hurtful absolutely yeah. but I don't think I would doubt that my friend was gonna like you know hate crime me on the way home yeah <laughs> yeah did you um, hear other differences? for this storyteller about their experience or how they are wanting to reflect on it from our first. I feel like this person's like, well, I am experiencing this and it just makes me want to push my own envelope more Mm -hmm. and try to change things as much as I can. Mm -hmm. So that I think it's something about other people, right? Because they say, um, I'm not one of those people that really gets hurt by like this verbal harassment but it really bothers them because I know many people that it does really affect. So it seems like the pushing is also about justice for others, mm-hmm. protecting others, making sure that people who haven't built up so much of a ability to t- tolerate and distinguish like my own sense of myself from what uh, someone else is going to push at me, mm-hmm. um, which I think is not necessarily only something we find in the queer community, but certainly something we find in the queer community and maybe at this age of high school into college where you're trying to understand your identity so much at that point in your life and you let in a lot of Mm. feedback, (laughs) Um, probably too much, you know, and so your own sense of yourself isn't developing uh, independently enough of how, at least that was true for me. I, it's still true for me, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, I'm 50, but I still take into account what others think of me more than I feel like is like beneficial for a healthy sense of self. Mm-hmm. Um, but this storyteller seems to have that part down, mm-hmm. and so just wants to like act on behalf of other, other folks. Um, this is WVLP 103.1 FM, and we also are streaming live at WVLP.org. Where, if you like what you hear today, you can also support and make sure this radio station stays up and running um, by going to wvlp.org backslash support. So uh, Willow, Reagan, and I are here today talking about uh, gender identity in the wake of Transgender Awareness Week. And the second story um, we've listened to today is... um, uh, Helping, like thinking through what it means to dress in a way that doesn't fit the norm and then getting how people feel threatened by that. Um, So we could still dig into that further if you all want to, but I'm just also really curious about the turn this takes where the storyteller seems to want to call out for more open, frank conversation. So I don't think they mean by that, like throwing around labels, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the F word. Um, but what do you think they mean by, like, let's stop being so politically correct? Because some people would have said to the, in the previous story that um, there was nothing politically correct going on about the friend being like, why are you dressed like a little boy? Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think this storyteller is like, that's an example of giving up political correctness that they would get behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, she uh, she says, to say what they feel. And that probably was what that person was feeling. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, I don't know. Do you see other things that this storyteller is interested in that maybe would help us figure out what it means to not be politically correct. Don't look at me like that. (laughs) (laughs) Or are we just going to disagree? I mean, some of us might disagree with this storyteller. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of, so small town leader of my gay straight alliance in high school, uh, very out little baby lesbian, um, in a, a place that was not super excited about that for me. And I think that, like, coming from that, I probably do fall more on this person's perspective. Like, I just remember, I had so many homophobic friends in high school. Like, so many. Because, one, that's, like, we're talking about, like, availability here of, like, Mm. personhood, which ideally at college would be a little less so. But, 
I just, it felt, I had an easier time being friends who were outright, like, yeah, no, I think being gay is wrong, but I like you, so, like, we can still hang out, but, Mm -hmm. like, I still think being gay is wrong, and I'd be like, well, I think that your viewpoint is wrong, and I'm still gonna talk about being gay in front of you, so, like, if you can deal with that, then we can be friends. Is that the standard I have today? (laughs) No. (laughs) But it is a standard that I had, and, like, that was, uh, like, a surviving standard, I guess. I don't know. Mm. But I Mm. still, to this day, would prefer... I just, I want to know where you stand, I guess, Mm. is where it comes down to. Because then it makes it easier for me, as opposed to having, like, other negative experiences, which I personally find more hurtful... Even though, like, maybe logically they shouldn't be of, like, I thought you were my friend and then it turned out that you, and you said you were fine with people being gay. And then it turned out that you had all of this, like, animosity and uncomfortableness that is coming out in really, really not great ways now. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But that's, you know, a perspective. Well, I mean... um, We just reread MLK's letter from a Birmingham jail in the first year writing class at Valpo and um he's very clear that the white moderate is more painful and difficult and probably holding back uh the civil rights movement more than the out and out mm-hmm. blatant racist mm-hmm. um so that's interesting because I think there's something about the white moderate who would probably like the liberal salt organization know what they're supposed to say, supposed Mm -hmm. to think, supposed to support. Um, But because that hides a lot of unprocessed, like, opinion and judgment, um, there's a a, a kind of way that it holds back growth Mm -hmm. that could happen. And potential, not necessarily, I don't know how much people can change you know, like if, especially like given a religious belief and commitment that if you challenge that for yourself, a whole bunch of other things might change for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know if that has to be the goal, but if you've had frank open conversation, um, in a way that was respectful, I don't think that this storyteller uses the word respectful, but, but they do talk about reaching as a common ground. So I, I don't know exactly what they think a common ground would look like, but um, Appiah, a philosopher in the book Cosmopolitanism, is talking about differences that won't ever be resolved or brokered into some kind of agreement, but you can come to understand each other better. Mm -hmm. And so I might be projecting that onto this storyteller, um, but I would think that would be an outcome that... You know, like, I don't know, if SALT had had more non-politically correct um, conversation where people could say what they feel, could that whole experience of the dance and or the party afterwards have been, like, um, what's the word? Like, just not ha- ever had to happen because the organization mm-hmm. would have had people thinking through, like... Don't let, let's let's look at our own positions on this, or our own judgments around it, and then think about where they're coming from. And if, as it is possible for us to talk about that as a group, we can kind of know and think through and see a diverse range of judgments, beliefs, mm-hmm. positions. Then maybe this that guy would have known like the party not to do that (laughs) I don't know maybe that's like overly optimistic because you're at a party and so you're just I struggle with that too though because my thing I'm happy to answer questions that are like quote-unquote disrespectful or not um, politically correct for the people that I know like my mom has so many disrespectful (laughs) questions I love her so much but oh my god um You know, and I'm happy to, like, do that for the people that I know. I am not at this point in point, I'm not at this point in my life happy to do that for strangers um, Mm -hmm. while I'm doing things like living my life. If I was happy to do that, I would be uh, a more active member in, like, an LGBT organization that sought to educate. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I feel more comfortable not being in that role is because the internet exists. Like, this is... 
I, we talked about this privately, I think, last time after we recorded, but, like, when I have, like, an issue with a lifestyle, um, or I have difficulty understanding a particular lifestyle, one of the best things for me personally to do is to find somebody on the internet, because there are tons of them, preferably more than one, um, and follow them living their life because the people who are willing to answer questions mm-hmm. on the internet, because they are willing to answer questions on the internet and they are doing a thing that is confusing or feels like contradictory to me and I need to better understand it. People like that exist. Like there is no such thing as no access for these conversations. So I really struggle sometimes to be mm-hmm. uh, empathetic about that because there are a lot of answers to all of the questions that you have. And there are people who are willing to answer the questions that you have. You don't need to harass people to get answers to the questions that you have. I don't know. Does that change at all if you're a part of an organization or the organ for an organization itself? You know, like, um, and I mean, maybe like an organization like SALT, if this conversation a conversation about religion and queer identity was to happen and it was, I don't know, promoted as frank and honest so we can get through the stereotypes. That's what the speaker mm-hmm. says. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe the queer members of SALT would or wouldn't show up. They could, they could opt out, mm-hmm. but you could have, and I, I mean, just as a, teacher and a facilitator, I think somebody needs to be there to guide that discussion because you you should have some ground rules still, even if you're not being politically correct. This isn't just Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. saying whatever comes to mind, but investigating in some way what you're thinking so that you can decide if that's really what you believe or Mm -hmm. not. Um, But I wonder about organizations having some kind of responsibility to that Mm -hmm. for the sake of their members. Mm -hmm. So that yeah. something like that didn't happen at the dance. Now, of course, you still can't control your members. You shouldn't control your members. But um, then it would be appropriate for a SALT um, like a faculty advisor to then talk with that student afterwards. And I mean, it would be appropriate anyway. Yeah. But there would be a benchmark mm-hmm. to refer that person back to if... Mm-hmm the conversation had been had as opposed to just assuming, oh, we're the liberal Christian Mm -hmm. organization on campus and we're about social action. So we don't have a problem with Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. I think that you're right, but I also struggle with it just because like, we're talking about this within the context of a college and like, there is an LGBT organization on Valparaiso University's college. And I know, at least when I went there, there were several religion and uh, LGBT events that went on. I did not attend them. I'm not a religious person. (laughs) I'm not interested in being contextualized. (laughs) Because I'm cranky. Those are usually painful to attend. Yes. So if that's what, you know, if those are questions that you have, or if you as a queer person have a desire for that, especially within like a college setting, Yes, like, there is a context for that. I do definitely feel what you're talking about, though, in, like, the more quote-unquote adult world. Like, I don't know. I just think about all the places that I've worked at. And, like, there's no time at, like, a fast food establishment. Well, there is time. Um, but, like, they're not going to have a convert. They're going to be like, hey, don't be racist or, like, prejudiced in any way and rude. Or, like, you can get in big, big trouble for that. And it's like, okay, well... You haven't established what those words mean. Yeah. Two people who have made, never have been exposed to that beyond, like, don't say, like, slurs. <laughs> you know? Like, and what is the responsibility of, like, McDonald's to do that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there, I get what you're saying, and I feel like there is a responsibility there. But under capitalism, I don't know how it exists. <laughs> well, and then talking about corporatization of anything, diversity, equity, and inclusion, it doesn't necessarily end up being a really... No robust like generative Mm-mm. framework or conversation no i remember when and this was for starbucks when they 
like some Starbucks manager somewhere called the cops on like a guy, a black man who was sitting in there waiting for somebody to like meet him there. Mm -hmm. And he had the police called on him and I think he got arrested or something. And so this prompted Starbucks to do like a half day training where they created a sort of like agenda of like, I don't know if it was DEI training, but it was like conversations that we're gonna have and so all managers were required mm-hmm. to host that for all of their stores and Starbucks like paid all these people for their time for the whole store to show up for half a day but you have that and at the same time like a manager in the region who <laughs> was responsible for teaching that to their team and then turned around a few months later and then just openly used the n-word on the floor it's just like mm-hmm. so that person was in charge of doing this training mm-hmm. learned nothing and then just said the N-word on the floor and mm. still has their job, you know? Mm. So it's like, does, yeah. does that stuff even really work? I don't know. I just, mm. like, this whole time I'm having such, like, yeah. a trouble with the, the idea of, like, political correctness. And every time I hear that word, I think, like, I don't know, like, Tucker Carlson's face, like, appears <gasps> in my mind. And it's, like, and it's just, like, it, it feels like I understand this, like, sort of, like, pushback of, like, you know, a person thinking, like, I don't know how to say this, so I'm just going to say it and, like, get a sense for that and how there's a space for that and how that can help people grow. But at the same time, I also wonder, like, I don't know how the storyteller is defining political correctness, but I think there's there's a discomfort in, like, not knowing how to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And if they're defining political correctness as, like, sort of, like, verbally sort of figuring out how to have a conversation you've never had before, I mean, I think... That I don't know. I'm if that's the case, then I'm all for quote unquote political correctness because it's like there's a there's a discomfort that I think you have to get it more comfortable with and just trying to say something and just if you're already entering a conversation knowing that like hey like my words or this viewpoint like might hurt this person mm-hmm. or this person might have been hurt by like anti LGBTQ rhetoric before so like entering in that wanting to be sensitive to that pain and wanting to do that and feeling unsure because you've never had that conversation before. I don't know. I just feel like easing out of political correctness is a sort of like dancing away from like having that discomfort of having that initial conversation that you don't know how to do, but in a nice way. But I feel like that comes back to what Allison was saying is like these conversations are necessary and important, but like they need to have like, I don't know, even in UFC, where they're wailing on each other. They got rules, you know? Like, they're UFC? Uh, fighting. Like, you know, oh, the fight club stuff? No. UFC. It's like a sport. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, I, don't, okay. I don't know the abbreviation. Like, United Fighting Something. Uh, my mom likes them. Though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but there's rules and regulations, and there's, like, you know, you can't just kill somebody. Yeah. You know, there are rules and regulations, and, like, yes, this is the sport. So I think that that's what we need to kind of come into these conversations. Like, yes, this is the conversation. Yes, that is inherently uncomfortable. Here are the ground rules. We're not going to use slurs. We're not going to yell or talk at somebody. You can address questions like to the moderator, like whatever, like something along those lines, because it has to be a safe space for the people who are vulnerable in the world and in that position, the gay people, the queer people at the religion and LGBT conference need to be addressed like in a safe way in a way where they they know they're not going to get, like, beaten up after the conference or, like, get traumatized because they've been, like, called slurs. And we also need, like, the people to that are asking these questions to realize that these questions can be hurtful and that you need to understand that people have boundaries. Like, there needs to be give and take there inherently for those conversations to happen. And I think that's, like, the hard part is, like, one, the organizing space to have conversations, and two establishing ground rules yeah and i do think um really nailing the difference between intention and impact and helping Mm -hmm. people realize that regardless of your intention you have to take accountability for your impact and that means you might have to walk away doing some thinking about how you're going to behave differently next time or how you might word your question differently next time Mm -hmm. um it's just hard because people feel so defensive, like, mm-hmm. not my intention, not my intention. So I want to be judged by my goodwill, mm-hmm. not by, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the power of the how I hurt somebody. Nobody wants to, well, I shouldn't say that. Nobody. I don't think most people want to feel 
Like they hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to hold that and take accountability for it. All right, well, we are at the end of our show, but before we head out today, um, we want to encourage all of our listeners to check out WVLP's full schedule. You can find it at the website, wvlp.org. Here at Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio, we highly recommend Morning Black. Black stands for Building Leaders and Cultural Knowledge. It's a cultural platform and it is presented on the radio for discussions surrounding concerns of race and ethnicity, which airs live every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. And they just did a show last week on um, queerness and and race and the intersectionality of those two. So check that show out if you missed it. And the broadcast, like I said, is Saturdays at 8 a.m. And the program addresses concerns within and about the African-American community and the program is underwritten by donations from members of the Northwest Indiana African-American Alliance and community partners. So that's it for today. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to our sponsors, Asana Yoga Center at asanacenter.com and Roots Market Cafe at rootsmarketcafe.com. Both are also open for business, so check out their websites. We here at Welcome Project Radio love to support our local businesses. And thanks to Kelly and Michael Marakna, who believe in supporting diversity, learning, and growth. They are brand new underwriters to the show. You can find us online at welcomeproject.valpo.edu and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to support WVLP and our show, you can make a donation by going to wvlp.org support.